that we can safely protect. Curious About Cannabis is dedicated to providing reliable cannabis science education to anyone curious enough to learn. To get access to free courses and other educational resources, visit learn.cacpodcast.com and become a Curious About Cannabis member for free. The Curious About Cannabis book provides an incredible crash course in cannabis science through over 500 pages of content filled with photos, activities, science experiments, games, and more to help guide you through your personalized cannabis education journey. This book has become a trusted textbook in colleges and universities across North America and is absolutely perfect for serious learners as well as cannabis educators, bud tenders, clinicians, patients, and caregivers. And special thanks to the many individuals, companies, and organizations that have helped Curious About Cannabis meet our mission of becoming the number one trusted source of cannabis science education on the planet. This includes organizations like Credo Science with Ethan Russo, The Conigma, Treadwell Farms, The Spellman Report with Kevin Spellman, The Workshop, Green Earth Medicinals, CBD National, Magnolia Botanicals, and more. Visit cacpodcast.com slash sponsors to learn about our sponsors and go show them some love for helping us spread cannabis science education far and wide to anyone curious enough to learn. If you like Curious About Cannabis, consider checking out some of these other learning initiatives by Natural Learning Enterprises. to the show. So I remember the last time we spoke um, was right after Spanibus in 2020. Um, You had to quickly depart and get back to the U.S. because we didn't know what was going on in terms of this thing called COVID. And little did we know, basically right after our last conversation that we had, the whole world shut down. And... um, so it's great to see you after all of this crazy time. Um, I'm, sh- I'm sure you've, you've been through a lot like all the rest of us uh, through that period. Glad to be alive. That's right. Yeah, glad to be alive. Glad to have made it through. That's right. um, so thanks, Andrew, for taking the time to come back on the show and spend the hour with me. It's great to see you again. I really appreciate it. Great to be with you, Jason. Yep, absolutely. So tell me a little bit, um, you know, I've been following uh, Last Prisoner Project and your personal work that you've been doing. Um, catch me up a little bit on what's been going on over the past few years. Well, I'll be happy to. Last Prisoner Project is still getting people out of prison, I'm proud to say. we're. I've seen some good success stories, yeah. Yes, I wish I could tell you that we were getting people out of prison faster than the governments of the states and the feds are locking people up or not. 
Uh, right. So right. we're net negative every year still. And, but the organization has grown quite considerably since our last conversation. And thank you to every, all of our supporters in the industry and all of our small donors, all of you out there. Um, lastprisonerproject.org is a place you can go to plug in if you haven't already. And it's just the support from the community be, has been tremendous. And these have not been easy years <laughs> the last year or two. Oh, no, yeah. You know, and so folks have still found a way to support. And so we're grateful for that. So I'm hoping that we're just going to keep building momentum. And, you know, one big milestone will be when we're getting people out faster than they can lock them up. And, and then, you know, hopefully... Yep. Hopefully, once that milestone is is reached, we'll have some serious momentum behind us, and it won't take too much longer to get everybody out. But, gosh, it's a it's a it's a it's it's slow going and and can be yeah. t very tedious and frustrating. So that's last prisoner project. My my work as a consultant has been fun because I get to build businesses with clients. I'm I'm cutting the ribbon on three medical cannabis dispensaries in Ohio in the next nice nice yeah in, in the next month or two and so that's exciting and you know clients all over the world now and and building both oh all kinds of businesses up and down the supply chain and even organizing conferences and uh, retreats and things like that events and having a great time doing that it's been hard with the pandemic and everything to launch a new business, <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm fortunate, well-known person in the industry. People know I, I, I can deliver the goods. I know what I'm doing. And, and so, you know, my pipeline is a lot more active than a lot of other folks right now. So, yeah, yeah. so that's what I've been up to. And, um, I'm going to South by Southwest. I'm speaking there. Uh, nice. Yeah, next week. I'm excited about that. I'm, I've got two politicians on stage with me, Representative Earl Blumenauer from Oregon, a Democrat, and, yep. and Representative Nancy Mace, a Republican from South Carolina. And the topic is which political party will legalize weed at the federal level. So it'll be a, <laughs> yeah. it'll be a fun uh, conversation that uh, I'll be leading at South by Southwest. And so still doing a little bit, a bit of traveling and speaking and educating folks out there like I am with you today. And it's truly what I love to do as much as everything else that I'm doing. And um, so that's what I've been up to. We're just chugging along here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, it's good to hear. Um, one thing I enjoyed, you know, after the pandemic hit, um, I noticed you kind of took advantage of that time on social media to do more um, uh, just kind of like sharing your thoughts, doing reviews of products, trying to highlight brands. Um, and I, I've really enjoyed kind of seeing that um, come together. That's been really nice, um, you know, kind of trying to, you know, leverage that opportunity to, to continue to shine light on um, a lot of these brands that are, you know, everyone's struggling to survive right now. And that's, you know, a couple of things I really wanted to get into with you today um, and get your perspective on is one, the United States and where we're at, because the, the industry has changed considerably in the past few years, um, at least, you know, uh, in Oregon, California, you know, kind of um, the more established markets. And then there's been all of the sort of um, 
issues that have come up in New York's rollout and all that. So I want to talk about that. And then I also want to zoom out and talk about the global cannabis industry because mm -hmm. you've been, I've noticed you've been hopping around. You were in Mexico not too long ago um, at a conference speaking there. And so I really want to get your perspective kind of locally and then zoomed out globally. So starting, starting locally, um, the cannabis industry, you know, it kind of depends on who you are in the industry. You know, some people have been having success, but a lot of people have been struggling and the industry has been going through some really significant, um, uh, kind of growing pains, um, over the past couple of years, a lot of consolidation, uh, a lot of layoffs and things like that. So what's been your experience there working with all these companies that are, you know, um, reaching out to you for help or trying to figure out how to navigate these things. What are you seeing and um, where's the hope, I guess, in, in a lot of this? Well, it's been a very difficult time, particularly in the last year. When the pandemic hit and everybody was at home, there was a lot more people buying weed in the legal dispensaries yeah. in the legal states. It was harder to get underground weed. People were a little scared of, you know, spreading diseases and yeah. viruses and so forth. so so we saw this like spike in the legal market for a brief period of time that as soon as people weren't locked down anymore that spike pretty much went away and then other things happened like massive inflation and um yeah and and the resurgence of the underground market which has been you know came back yeah. um and so all of those factors, bad public policy, bad legalization frameworks, taxes are too high, regulations are too crazy, fees are too high. Um, uh, you have a, a, an industry that's largely not profitable. Um, and, yeah. um, and how much longer can that continue? We're seeing the collapse in California right now. Some big reputable companies are like Flocana just folded up operations, even tech companies, MJ Freeway just folded up operations. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're seeing huge layoffs up and down the supply chain, weed maps, uh, Cura Leaf, Leafly, yeah. all sorts of folks. And, you know, these are not, these are companies that, you know, they've been around for a bit and yeah, one, yeah. one would think they know what they're doing. <laughs> um, uh, uh, that I guess is subject to debate, but, um, but but folks are yeah. getting laid off in 2022 and now 2023 as the market right sizes itself um you know my perspective is there was just foolish investment and growth you know that led mm -hmm. to a lot of hiring that now is folks are seeing is you know they don't have the market for the that weed or those products or um yeah. and or the price for the products has gone below what they can sustain. So, um, yeah. so you are seeing a lot of consolidation because people are distressed and, you know, it is capitalism and, and, and it does its thing. So, um, we'll see that I think more this year, what I'm advising people to do, um, is, you know, concentrate on the customer, <laughs> um, yes. uh, uh, concentrate on, carrying the right products for your customers and concentrate on having an experience that works uh, yes. yeah. for your customers. Those are the three areas where folks can really compete, uh, in my opinion, um, because mo when people are getting laid off, 
especially with larger companies and you're trying to compete with that, well, you should hire the folks they're laying off um, and, yeah. and, and, and try to make your customer experience better. And you might be able to not just get their employees, but get their customers too. So I think that's what I encourage people to focus on. The, the customer's really been forgotten in all this, uh, pardon my French, but fuckery of, uh, yeah, the, the, absolutely. you know, the legalization frameworks. And, um, and so, and there's been a lot of harm done and people are angry and frustrated for sure. And, and, and so, um, you know, figuring out how to do it right within all that's really difficult. And it, 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 I'm lucky because I, I ran Harborside, which had to deal with this every single day for 14, 15 years. I did that every single day. And so I've seen just about everything on the playing field and I can kind of maneuver strategies around the minefields and get people to, you know, a positive outcome. But it's hard. It's it's hard, and and every market is different, and every client and opportunity is different, and and so we have to really take a hard look, um, do our due diligence, really look at what's going on in that particular place, mm -hmm. that particular market, that particular supply chain, that particular politics, uh, frameworks, everything, and and really come up with a plan that's going to differentiate folks and 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 allow. The, ex the excellence to happen in that, those areas we just talked about, customer service, great products, great, ex yeah. great experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think people will reward that, especially in certain markets, you know, um, other markets like New York, there's going to be a lot of turn and burn dispensaries because everything in New York's turn and burn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, they've already, yeah, I mean, before they even put out licenses, it's already that way. Yeah, you know, yeah. Shops are, they pop up, they shut down, they pop up, they shut well, down. Well, and they're just quick, right? You're in and out, you, you yeah. get the weed, you go, you, you, you know, um, that's New York moves at a really fast yep. pace. So the experiences are different there, right? Um, uh, what, for, right, that's true. you know, how you make a, you, you've got 30 seconds to really connect with somebody in New York, if that, maybe five, 10 yeah. seconds. So you better know how to do that really well um, because somebody else will. And um, that's, you know, that's where the magic comes. <laughs> and when you have a good consultant, a good advisor and kind of figure it out together. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point that, um, uh, sometimes, especially in, in places like, you know, I was living in Oregon and then I, I just moved back to my home state of Mississippi. It's just legalized medical here. So we're navigating yep. um, all of that here. But it, it is easy to take for granted the time that you have with a bud tender or the time that you have um, in a dispensary um, or the time with a customer from the flip side of that. Um, so what are the, the when, when you only have 30 seconds with a customer and they need direction, you know, super, super fast. And there's a line building. You've got to get them out. How do you keep that customer ex experience, uh, the quality of that experience really high um, with, with such a small, you know, amount of time to really even, even engage them? Well, you got to be nice and kind and love talking to strangers. Right. You have to love talking to strangers. Um, if, you're, if you're good at that, you know, you should be a bartender. <laughs> um, and... You, and, you know, you very quickly within the first few seconds figure out what they want or need from the cannabis. Why are they there and what do they want or need from it? Some people... That takes skill. 
Yes. Well, some customers will tell you, I'm here for a pre-roll. What's your best one you got? Right, right. Or yeah, yeah. what are you smoking today? Or, you know, <laughs> give me what you got. Or, you know, it'll be fast. <laughs> yeah. um, um, other times it'll it'll be, man, I like flour, but I don't like it too strong. I don't know. And, and so you have to like, okay, I got perfect thing for you. It's right in the middle. It's got a nice turf profile. You won't get too paranoid. Boom. And, you know, so you have to know your products. You have to know them really well. You have to exam yep. examine the test results because um, and know those really well um, and sh and be able to show and guide people through all those things um, so that they can make informed decisions um, uh, and do it really fast. And, and, you know, technology helps. You've got screens and tablets and, you know, menus sure, that, yeah. that, that you can walk people through and um, and you can filter the searches. So, you know, they get to the curated list of exactly what they want or need pretty quick. Uh, and, um, and, and you know, it's, 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 it, that's how you do it because now if you're in Mississippi, um, you have the luxury of more time, right? Um, because, yeah, uh, yeah. um, because the culture there is one that goes a little slower. People like talking to each other. People like, exactly, yeah. you know, people, it's a verbal culture. So, um, so it, the experience will be a little bit longer in Mississippi, and therefore I would advise people to create an experience there that makes people feel really good about being in the space for a while and learning about the products. Mm, and, homey, yeah. Yeah, you know, not too fancy, not, you know, <laughs> um, but not too dingy, right? You don't want that either, mm -hmm. of course. You want just something accessible people can relate to. Um, everyday normal people, um, um, you know, 80% of all people that consume cannabis on the regular make less than $50,000 a year. Um, they're right, work, right. Work, yeah. work, working class people, you know, that's who, uh, who we are. <laughs> and so, yeah, you, you know, so if you make it look like a jewelry store that only, you know, somebody with great means might go into, um, it might alienate folks, um, a little bit. Um, so. I, yeah. I always advise people to make things accessible and, 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 and warm. And it's already nerve wracking to walk into a dispensary. It but, is. Yeah. You know, patients, especially in a brand new place like Mississippi, oh, is my boss going to see me? Is my priest going to see me? Is my cousin or my grandmother going to drive by while I'm walking out of here? Oh my goodness. And there's, right. there, yeah. you know, there's a lot of nervousness. And so you want, as soon as they walk in the door, you have to create something that goes, ah, and brings it yes. down, you know, yeah. brings yeah. it down. Yeah. And if you can, if you can, you know, if you can make, make it discreet, you know, um, um, so that in a new market like Mississippi, you, you, you want to make it so your grandma doesn't see people coming out the front door necessarily. Maybe you put it in the back, yep. you know, the back of the building, you make the front of the building, you know something that's appealing to the curb but, but but everything happens in the back in and out you know there's creative ways to go yeah. there's creative solutions to all these things and matching the culture of wherever you are i you know i like that yeah every dispensary kind of has to have its own personality and its own place within the the local culture whatever it it may be and and kind of reflect that um so that really highlights how you can't really um cookie cutter these things um which is something I've learned watching so many people, and I'm sure you've noticed this too, so many folks from the West Coast, uh, while I was still there, were flocking to places like Oklahoma, 
um, because the medical program was kind of the wild, wild west for a while there. Um, so there was a lot of interesting opportunities that people were jumping on. A lot of people were moving to New York to try to get ready for that market. And um, they were kind of trying to just replicate what was done on the West Coast. And it doesn't quite work. Like it, it, uh, it, it doesn't quite uh, fit. Like you, you, you still have to, you know, obviously there's a lot of lessons you learn from um, working in the cannabis industry on the West Coast, but you always have to take that culture of where you're going, where you're working in, um, into consideration. Um, and so it's, it's been um, interesting just kind of being confronted with what does the, the expansion of the cannabis industry across the country look like and how do we have to be mindful of these cultural differences because um, they are there, levels of stigma that are different state to state. Like you said, here in Mississippi, um, it's been strange for me growing up, spending the last decade or so of my life going in and out of dispensaries, working with the plant regularly. Um, it, it feels, I, I felt the nervousness all over again for some reason the first time I went to a medical dispensary here. Um, it was it was just interesting, you know, it's like it shouldn't be, I shouldn't feel anxious at all. I've done this a million times. Um, but for some reason in this culture, it just is different. Um, and it, it's just fascinating and, and important to appreciate um, for sure. Yeah, I advise people that way. Absolutely. Um, all cannabis is local. <laughs> um, if, yeah. if you really think about it. And so, you know, I think that's, that's how I advise people do. Are there going to be chains of dispensaries like cookies and so forth um, that, right. you know, that are cookie cutter? <laughs> it's called cookies. <laughs> um, uh, uh, um, and, you know, each cookies, if you go into them, they're a little bit different because each building's a little different, right? Mm -hmm. Bur yeah, yeah. Burner's not building the buildings from scratch yet. Um, right. uh, but... <laughs> Yeah. So each one's a little different, but 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 they all have the same look and feel. Uh, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's sort of the genius of cookies. Um, and what what he makes different is the weed and the strains and so forth on each shelf is a little different because they're produced in each state. And what genetics, what genetics, his team circles in and out of each state and each market and how they promote those and so forth. They're very good at all that. And so that's how they, 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 they've made it all about the weed. Right. Um, yeah. Um, and so, um, but not everybody can walk into a cookies and feel really comfortable there. Um, so, yeah, it, sure. you yeah. know, I imagine it miss, it'll take a little while before Mississippi has a cookies. Um, but, um, you might have cookies weed, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure it won't take very long. I know Belushi's already here. Um, mm. everyone, everyone's, you know, yeah, I getting, mean, getting their, their it, bit of the market. Yeah, it's um, there's the game right now is chase the new market. So um, yeah. um, and everybody's doing that, <laughs> especially people who have the ability to raise and deploy money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what what was your experience in Ohio like getting these um, dispensaries ready there? Um, how is that compared to preparing, uh, you know, um, for instance, in California and your experiences there? Well, the framework in Ohio, it's a medical program. It's not, yeah. it's not an adult use program. It's very strict. 
Um, mm -hmm. It's run by the State Board of Pharmacy. Um, the State Board of Pharmacy are all badged narcotics officers as well as pharmacists. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so they run the pro they run the program. They do have the ability to enforce pretty strongly, as you can imagine, and um, they indict people who you know break the rules too intensely there. Yeah. Um, so, it's a very serious program. Um, the requirements are quite, you know, when it comes to things like security cameras and man traps and you know, waiting rooms versus dispensary floor. And the, the rules are quite intricate and, and strict and, and expensive to comply with, um, and build. But, yeah. um, what's, what entrepreneurs like about that market, what I liked about it too, is, um, it's still a pretty early market. So they, they have limited licensing there and they only did, they did, they've only done one round. This was the second round that my clients got. Oh, okay. So yeah, they're still quite early. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, and, and because it's limited license state that has a pretty strict program, which makes it really expensive to comply to the MSOs and the, and the bigger companies really love Ohio. Um, so they're, they're in Ohio pretty strongly. Um, it's kind of like Florida. I've noticed they, they kind of got attracted to Florida's market for the same kind of reason. Yes. Um, and you call it, <laughs> um, it, it monopolies or uh, ugly, uh, oligarchies, um, uh, <laughs> uh, oligarchies. I can never say that word, but, um, um, that's what we want to avoid in the cannabis industry, I think. Um, yeah. um, but, 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 but in Ohio, we see that a little bit until they drop a lot more licenses. Well, they just did drop. And so there was a real good opportunity that I saw in the marketplace to compete with the MSOs, uh, that were there with my client was a, a, a born and bred Ohio family that has a successful logistics company and trucking company and um they and and we built a brand called backroad wellness and they're gonna nice. yeah it's got a it's a rural brand a, a smaller towns uh, not big cities and it's more of a working class brand that we yeah which i mean the name really gives that impression just thinking about the back roads yeah right and everything yeah that's right branding yeah yeah so um i'm really proud of that one and 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 so that whole strategy we developed there was okay how are we going to compete with these bigger folks that you know are perhaps got more resources and right you know fancy marketing firms and things like that and and we didn't have any of that. So, you know, it was really about, okay, we're going to differentiate and we're going to present something, you know, unique uh, and trust that the local people will appreciate and find us. So that's, yeah. that's what's going on in Ohio. And um, I, 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 you know, they're, they're kicking around adult use legalization there. I think it's still a couple, couple more years away just like they're kicking around and they're trying to get on the ballot in Florida in 2024, November, 2024. Yeah. We'll see if one, they do that. And two, if it wins, um, 
uh, Florida's tough. But yeah, I mean, Mississippi's trying to. They just introduced an adult use um, bill for debate, um, I think, in the House or something. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's one of those things of like, uh, we'll see. I'm very hopeful. I think that um, the public wants it. You know, it's not it's not up to the people. Right. Um, it's I see the, it. the supposed representatives of the people. Yeah, I think the representatives of the people <laughs> will watch the medical program for a while. The governor there is very conservative and um um and he he, he's from my hometown oh really he's watching yeah he's he's really um, you know the the people i worked with there that were close to the governor you know indicated that he's watching the medical program really carefully making sure there's no adverse impacts on youth and public health and so forth um so um so yeah i expect it to roll out slowly in places like ohio and mississippi midwest southern states um more conservative and um but i enjoyed working with folks in those communities because the work ethic's really strong people um show the impact is huge yeah they need the they need it yeah and the impact is huge you know and so you can put together people who want to work in the industry, people who work hard, patients who need the medicine, you know, you can put it all together in one place. And that's when you start to create real communities, you know? And, and yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It reminds me of the old days, you know, uh, on the West coast. Like when I came back to Mississippi, um, once I got past the initial kind of reintroduction culture shock and, and everything, <laughs> Um, I realized that I started to feel how I felt back in Oregon before, um, before adult use was legal, even before dispensaries were legal, you know, seeing the, the excitement that people are like, Ooh, we can finally talk about this. And I've got so many questions and everyone is, is, you know, really trying to understand it for the first time. And, you know, you're starting to hear all these stories of how people are starting to be impacted that, you know, have never had a chance to work with the plant really before without risking their whole livelihood. Um, and I love all of that. That like juices me up big time just to see the reconnection with patients. Cause it does seem like a lot of that got lost, you know, um, in places that have, have gone fully legal. There's, there's been a lot of, um, uh, you know, the, it's not true for every company. There are some companies that are trying to differentiate themselves by paying attention to the patients, but, um, largely, um, the conversation around patient needs has, has really gone away for the most part. Yeah. That's the way it seems. Well, it's a shame. Um, and it is, yeah, I think we'll see another wave of patient centric businesses and services come along in cannabis again. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, this, this, this wave of adult use sort of wiped that out for a second. Um, but as that wave recedes, it's receding now, uh, people, people will begin to figure out models that bring people out of the underground market and into something licensed. And, and, and so we may see a resurgence of the medical model um when that happens um yeah um uh, so i'm i'm hopeful that we'll see that we'll also see i hope non-profit medical models that yes, yeah. uh, um once 
the feds move a little bit more and we get rid of 280e um yeah we'll be a lot better off on that front on the non non-for-profit front and people will be able to really build a community wellness center if they want to and not have to worry about return on investment as much as you might need to in an adult use market um and that's what we had at harborside for a long time it was really a community wellness center we had all kinds of different wellness classes you could take for free and mm-hmm. and how to grow your own medicine and support groups and you know people writing letters to prisoners and pre- people writing letters to politicians and um and, and 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 care package programs for the poor and you know these were things we did and um be, yeah. because we had to be non-profit and we sold yeah. a lot of weed <laughs> um so uh we had to spend the money on something and um yep and it was our vision from the beginning to do it this way and 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 that was the power of having something as popular as cannabis fueling something as good as a community wellness center um yeah um so i think that will come back um i hope i i it may it may take a little while but 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 you know i think it, it might take some reminding of people that it's even an option like um one thing that i've i've noticed kind of you know, riding some of these waves into legalization is I think some people have already kind of forgotten um, some of the some of the models and, you know, you know, before dispensaries were legal, there were nonprofits that, you know, uh, were giving away cannabis for donations. And uh, like you're describing, there were all of these these different um, nonprofit embodiments to try to figure out how to get people connected with the plant and everything. And I think there's a ton of lessons to be learned from all of that, that just like you're saying, as things are loosening up, there's a place for all of that to be reintegrated um, into the legal market. Um, And there are potentially opportunities that are bigger than existed before, at least if there's, if there are fewer, you know, legal constraints, um, fewer concerns um, in that regard, um, there's a lot of good, um, a lot of opportunity for nonprofits in the cannabis space. And I, I agree. I My optimist side hopes yeah. that the pendulum is in the process of kind of swinging back the other direction, that as adult use really started to take off in Colorado, Oregon, California, and Washington, that, uh, you know, there was sort of this big pendulum push towards money, just, you know, market grab, branding, just really trying to to capitalize on all of the money floating around, all the big investments floating around. And as some of that dries up, as the wave recedes, like you said, um, we start to see some of the things that kind of got buried over um, and a lot of things that money kind of makes people forget about for a while. And so um, when things are a little tougher, sometimes that actually does make people reconsider um, what they're doing, what impacts they're having, um, and hopefully we will see more concern. And certainly I think that more patients are starting to voice their concerns and frustrations with how um, these markets have gone and, and how they've been left behind. And in a lot of these legal markets, there's been kind of a washout of um, like mixed ratio products. That's a complaint that I've 
experience myself and had a lot of other talked to a lot of other patients about and it's like where did the one-to-one and two-to-one stuff go like where's the four-to-one like it's it's all become hemp side you know and and all of the stuff that's going on in the hemp world um or it's high thc but at one point dispensaries were stocked with all sorts of really interesting um unique um cannabis varieties that um the market's kind of pushed out that I, I hope there'll be some opportunity for them to return. Yeah, it's a real shame. Look, if we don't lower the barriers to entry so that people can have little neighborhood shops and mm-hmm. small batch farms and manufacturing, the patients could do it themselves. You know, yeah. that's what historically has been done is patients have bonded together and done it themselves. That's how all this got started in San Francisco. Exactly. We made, uh, we made it happen. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah. but the barriers of entry are so high to getting these licenses that patients can't bond together and do that anymore. And, yeah. and that's where the frustration is. And, and, and they're rightfully frustrated because they're rightfully mm-hmm. effed um, and wrongfully effed, I should say, um, and, and by these frameworks that are just ridiculously badly designed for patients and for small businesses and for black and brown folks and for equity folks and all the rest of it. So until, until we figure out how to do that, you know, um, it's going to be frustrating for folks um and 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 so that's you know like this woman i'm going to be have on stage with me nancy mace from south carolina Mm -hmm. representative mace she has an interesting framework it's got very low tax rate doesn't have any regular doesn't have any regulations only three percent tax she she makes the states decide everything else which the states have not done a very good job with those decisions so far, but but maybe that's okay. Yeah. Um, um, maybe it's better than the, the feds figuring everything out. And, um, and uh, you know, there's not a lot of barriers to entry in her framework. Um, yeah. uh, now, she, she basically kicks it to the states to, to make their framework. All, all that happens on the federal level is cannabis is removed from the Controlled Substances Act, which is great. 280E goes away, banking becomes possible, um, and and it's decriminalized at the federal level. Um, it's yeah, not in it, interstate commerce. Interstate yeah. commerce can happen um, as long as the states agree. Um, exactly. Um, um, yeah. um, right. So uh, states can still ban under her bill. States can still put people in prison for weed under her bill. So you know. Mm-hmm there 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 there's some potential downsides for our community with her bill whereas the other bill you know the more act and the blumenauer bill that 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 basically you know legalizes um uh, uh so it's a it's 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 different it, it, well it decrims and 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 but it also it does a lot the tax rates are higher and um it has more uh social justice, social equity provisions in it, then, um, mm-hmm. then the States Act, I think is what hers is called. Um, so we'll talk about all that through um, um, at the federal level, but you know, we're looking at quite some time before this federal relief, I think. Um, and- Yeah, I think so too. And the MORE Act got through the House, but couldn't get through the Senate. 
I think Nancy Mace's bill, now that her party's in power, it might get a vote in the House. Um, if it does, it should pass. She's going to have to get her own party to vote for it, which might be hard for her. And she's going to have to get Democrats to vote for it, which shouldn't be hard for her, but might be. Um, it wasn't helpful that she voted against the Moore Act. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there's a bit of a kind of tribalism there. It's like, well... Well, yeah. it's just partisanship, yeah. right? I mean... Um, exactly, um, yeah. Um, but I don't think we can get the, it through the Senate unless it passes the House by at least 400, 450 votes. Um, it's got to be a big majority. It's got to be a big statement, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then the Senate won't be able to filibuster it all right they, they, they just won't yeah. they won't the politics will not allow it and we'll flip them um and then we'll see if the president signs the bill <laughs> um, right there's all all of these these pieces uh, yeah <laughs> um then we'll see um but you know then we see we will see needs to happen <laughs> uh, and do you think do you think Biden is going to bring up um, cannabis as a an issue to try to bring people um, together right before the election? I've wondered if he might try to no. use. You don't think so? No, I think Biden has done all he's going to do for cannabis until the, his election. I think he said, "I kept my promise. I pardon. Yeah, I, yeah. I pardon everybody who's been convicted of possession." Which yeah isn't actually that many people really compared to it did nothing trafficking charges it did and... nothing it did nothing <laughs> yeah it was a big... let's 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 actually let's unpack that just a little bit because folks listening in that maybe aren't familiar with the nuances of that um, uh, can you can you explain just a little bit sure um, who did who did he actually pardon and what's what's the the real effect of that well I'll, I'll use two real life examples that 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 as 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 analogies right. My brother, Steve, yeah. in 1976, my brother, Steve, was going through Dulles International Airport in Virginia, which is federal property, and he had a few grams of cannabis. He got um, arrested and convicted for possession of cannabis at the federal level. He did not have it. He was not. That's all he was convicted of, possession of cannabis, um, not possession with intent to distribute, just possession with cannabis. So he just got pardoned. That particular... That particular charge of my brother has, he'll get a pardon for that. Um, but 25 years later, my brother got busted with 236 pounds <laughs> of cannabis. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and that was possession with intent to distribute. Um, and that, you know, that's where people are still in prison. My brother's not, thankfully. He did get locked up for quite, uh, you know, some time on that one. Uh, but he's out now and, and been out for quite some, you know, 20 years. Yeah. And, um, and, and so all the people in prison right now are there for possession with intent to distribute or cultivation with intent to distribute or tran or transportation with intent to distribute or conspiracy to, to, with intent to distribute. Okay. Like uh, Evelyn LaChapelle is a, works for last prisoner project she did 87 months in prison and all she did was you wow. some people that were engaged in cannabis transactions used her bank account to move money from one 
Oh wow! From one place oh, to an app. That's all. That's all she did. And she did 87 months in prison. She wasn't possessing cannabis. She wasn't actually distributing any cannabis, but she was convicted under conspiracy laws. Um, and so there's a lot of black women, black men, brown people, immigrants, yeah. white people in prison for conspiracy um, to engage in cannabis trafficking or cannabis cultivation. Even if all they did was maybe rent a house that somebody had to grow in, or maybe they leased a car that somebody ran a load in. Um, right. um, that's all they did. They didn't actually do the deal. Uh, they didn't actually make any money. Um, mm -hmm. But they're still in prison for sometimes years and decades even because yeah. maybe they got convicted over the course of, you know, maybe that car they leased ran a few thousand pounds through it before it got caught. Um, and, yeah. you know, all, those, all that weed, was part of the conspiracy charge and so all of a sudden you're looking at you know oh my god I, i'm i'm involved in a conspiracy that involved three thousand pounds of cannabis that's a mandatory minimum of i don't know what it is 30 years yeah yeah you know and so these are the these biden did nothing for all of those people so um yeah. um um they're all still in prison they're still going to prison i mean john wall is another gentleman he just went into prison for 10 years um on and possession with intent to distribute on uh, uh, federal prison for 10 years so um we're they're locking them up they're locking them up faster than we can get them out and um these are our people these are human beings and so yeah um this is not a game um so 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 it's really tragic what's happening and biden should have pardoned everybody um he should have ended this you know yeah the, the promise was he was going to end it the promise yeah that was the that was what i <laughs> when i heard him say that in a debate it, that he didn't equip equivocate okay with this possession only no he didn't. you know um yeah. he didn't do that um uh and so now he is and it, it's uh, it's sort of pulling the wool over everybody's eyes. And now he's going to stand up and say, I kept my promise. I'm the, I'm the cannabis president. Um, and try to get all the young people to come out and vote for him again. And we'll see. We'll see. Sometimes politicians can pull the wool over the eyes of the public. And sometimes they can't. Uh, yeah. Well, I know a lot of people are, especially, you know, in my generation are, frustrated on multiple levels the cannabis you know issue is one student loans or another um and uh, yeah i'm really interested to see how this all goes because um it, there's just so much disappointment and frustration in the air um and it's yeah you know it, it's going to be interesting just to, to see how how that manifests itself um in the coming years, I, you know, people keep asking me, they say, you know, are we going to see federal, um, at least descheduling or legalization really soon? And I'm like, don't hold your breath. Like I've seen this come around and discussed so many times. I can think back to back when I was an undergraduate in college, there was discussion at the federal level of like, you know, what this might look like and maybe it's coming soon. And here we are like 15 years later or whatever. And, uh, still talking about it. So, um, 
you know, I'd like to see something done. I, I'm really interested. I wish I could catch the, the talk that you'll be doing because um, I think that's really fascinating because when the Republican um, um, uh, form of legalization came out, the, the most recent one that you're referring to from South Carolina, I remember reading it and I was like, this is actually surprising to me. Um, like this, it felt like a, actually a fairly bold, solid attempt by Republicans to try to make this happen. Not bad. Um, Not a bad attempt yeah. at all. I mean, it's three pages long. It's very simple. It doesn't create... Yep, easy to understand. Easy to understand. Anybody can understand it. Um, this is what I admire about Republicans. <laughs> um, yeah. And, um, yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm not a Republican. Uh, I'm not a Democrat either. I'm, I'm registered as an independent. I, yeah. Both parties have locked up my family and locked up my people. And right, I've right. just been terrible. Yeah. So it's really hard for me to <laughs> be anything other than an independent. But in, in the case of the debate I'm having, I think, or the discussion, I hope it's a conversation more than a debate, but... Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm going to say this is what I like about this Republican framework. It's simple. The taxes are right. Mm -hmm. You know, I never I we've seen firsthand in California what the Democratic yeah. Party does with these high taxes to businesses. Um, and yeah. they really have to get a clue on this. Um, and everybody wants to pay their fair share of taxes. OK, but you cannot destroy businesses with high tax yep. rates um, and make it impossible to turn a profit. We want businesses to be profitable. Um, yep. uh, that's what we want. We, we, we want them to be fair and we want them to be competitive, have competition. But we want them to be profitable, man. I mean, that's how you create yeah. prosperity. That's how you create jobs. Well, and it's like, yeah, you know I, mean, I mean, isn't <laughs> the United States, aren't we supposed to be about the American dream and well, entrepreneurship? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, and, you know, it's like, I mean, we are. <laughs> it's I like mean, you would think. You know, and, and, and you know, <laughs> I like to think of profits within reason, right? I mean, it, yeah, it, exactly. I don't think, I, it, the only way be you you amass these billions and billions of dollars is if you have a monopoly on something, you know, uh, yeah. pretty much. And so, um, so it's 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 and that's not really <laughs> the way it's supposed to work <laughs> in a in a yep. competitive yeah. market. It's not supposed to be in mon mon monopolies, but but so so we want that competitiveness and 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 um, and so that's that's. I think, you know, where we got to shoot for, um, uh, yeah. you know, uh, but yeah, but, I, but, hope, I mean, I hope other states are learning. I, I hope other states are watching, <laughs> uh, you know, California and, uh, and other places and are, are taking note of that, but I'm scared they're learning the wrong lesson. I'm scared that a lot of states are they're not learning. Saying, wow. Wow. Look at how much money that they're able to bring into the government. Yeah. But, they're not okay, learning. Yeah. No high taxes too. Yeah. They're not learning. No, they're not learning. Um, well, let's uh, let's zoom out of the the U.S. for a minute. Cause I want to make sure we take time to to talk about what's going on, you know, beyond the states, because there is a lot going on in the world when it comes to cannabis. And sometimes, um, you know, we forget that there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of exciting things going on. Let's talk about Mexico, um, because I saw a, a talk you gave there not not too long ago. Tell me what's what's going on there. And I know you walked away from the event that I. Uh, saw the video of you were you seemed very excited and um, energized from the interactions you were having there. So I'm I'm really interested to hear about your experience. 
Well, I'm energized in Mexico and Latin America really right now just because legalization is on the march there. It's slow. It's yeah. it, it's slow. It's getting delayed in Mexico. Um, it's probably going to be late, delayed a couple of years in Mexico. But I didn't yeah. I didn't want to be a pessimist when I gave that talk. I wanted to give people hope and optimism because the activists and the entrepreneurs there need to endure this time of uns yeah. uncertainty and you know delays um and 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 so but in the great context of cannabis prohibition over the course of the last hundred years longer in mexico okay um you've got some real reform happening in mexico that's very very exciting um, what you also have in Mexico and a lot of other parts of Latin America is the population's younger. Uh, so, mm -hmm. um, uh, and there's a lot of young people and they're, they're the new, newer generations coming up are in the weed. Um, they're a lot more yeah. in the weed than the previous generations that were really in alcohol and maybe stimulants. Um, but the kids coming up today are really into weed and they, 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 They've learned, they've come to America, they've gone to dispensaries, they've gotten the seeds, they've gotten the genetics, they've learned the growing techniques, they've bought the books, they've bought the magazines, they listened to the music, they bought the dab rigs, they figured out <laughs> extraction, they figured out solvent lists, they figured out all these things. And there's wonderful cannabis and hash in Mexico now that all these folks are creating and making. Um, and so that's what excited me about Mexico, Colombia, um, is another one that's moving. Um, it's going to be slow in Colombia, but 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 if, yeah. if, if the pol if the politics holds in Colombia, meaning the same political party stays in power long yeah. long enough, <laughs> which is a if okay in that yeah. Yeah. in that part of the world. Um, but if that happens, I think you'll see legalization cannabis twenty three twenty four. 25 by 25 you'll start seeing dispensaries in colombia and they'll have a dispense uh, a domestic industry and they'll probably be exporting some they have a perfect climate for growing weed down there um so yeah um um so I, it's exciting in latin america europe is moving very very slow also <laughs> uh germany yeah germany claims they're going to legalize weed but they they have problems with the treaties with other European countries that they're sorting through right now. They might have to grow and make all their own weed in Germany and not bring any in from other countries. Mm -hmm. That's one solution yeah. they're talking about. Um, that would not be good for Europe. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it, it, it could be good for Germany, <laughs> but Europe's really counting on that market to sell to. So, um, so Europe is still very much in flux. No one knows what's going to happen over there. Spanibus, a big conference is going on right now and in Barcelona. And, or, and um, so people are talking about all of this there as we speak. But um, And, uh, you know, Thailand, very exciting what's yep. going on in Thailand. Thailand, you can go to consumption lounges and dispensaries and buy weed right now in Thailand. And it's just getting started. It's been wild to see people posting on social media. You know, folks have been making trips out there. Oh, yeah. 
see what it's like. And it, it's, yeah, it's really wild how, I mean, it's kind of fast how, how, um, you know, how fast they, they really just accepted it and got going. Um, well, the nice you know, thing about a lot of other countries, the nice thing about monarchies is once they decide to do the right thing, it happens. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It happens real fast. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> when it's, when, it, when the power is wielded for good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I want to go. I haven't gone, but I want to go. Yeah. Same. I haven't, haven't been out there, but I'd, I'd like to, to travel out there at some point and see it. I've, I've seen some of the menus and different shops, you know, like pictures and videos and stuff of it. And, and let's not forget um, the psychedelic retreats and stuff that are going on out there. Yeah. Um, my brother's starting yep. one in Jamaica right now. Um, uh, uh, legal, these are legal psychedelic retreats people mm -hmm. can yeah. go to and be a part of. And, and that's happening in places like Jamaica and, 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 and in some places in Latin America for, for ayahuasca and other, yep. other things like that. And so, you know, that whole revolution is dawning upon us right now. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, hard times, frustrating times, but also exciting times. And, and, and yeah. you know, <laughs> we're on the verge of a great breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it really does feel that way, though. You know, I remember... There was a there's a quote from Terence McKenna of all people um, from some talk he gave back in you know way back when, but I remember him saying that he was like the acceptance of psychedelics, cannabis, all of these things. You know, it's it's gonna be like giving birth. There's gonna be a lot of painful moments um, along these big cultural transitions, and it and it's not just around the substances, but also the consciousness changes that happen, you know, kind of across the board, yep. um, that, that kind of goes along with that. Um, and that's always, you know, I've, I've kind of hung on to that when I experience times like these, um, you know, watching, you know, this roller coaster up and down, it's like, well, these, these are those birthing pains, um, you know, that, that are kind of inevitable, um, as humans are trying to figure the stuff out and, and, the playing field's changing constantly. It's just a lot of flux um, on this path towards something new. And um, it's like we're going to be in this transitionary phase for quite a while, and we don't even really know what we're moving into or toward, you know, exactly. Um, but one thing's for certain is that we're in a great time of just change, it feels like, just a lot of um, just a lot of dynamics um, going on right now. And, and there's always a lot of opportunity and and hope in those moments, even though it feels uncomfortable and is painful at times too. Well, if you're into change, it's probably the best time to be alive in the history of humanity. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're definitely going through just roller coasters of change, and um, it's 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 why it's important to have good medicine <laughs> along the way, um, um, yes. because you know. We have we have not even begun to deal with the ravages of climate change and 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 I know and yeah. and so you know we gotta get past we gotta get through this cannabis thing figure this out pretty darn quick and so we can move on to bigger and more pressing issues um, uh, so you know I think that all of that will also 
accelerate things. I think. Um, I yeah. hope. I hope. Mm-hmm. I hope it will. Um, th- so our moments are going to be filled with more change and more urgency. Um, certainly for the rest of our lifetimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. And and to you know, kind of begin to close us out here. Um, what what are you most hopeful about for, you know, the future of the cannabis industry? Um, you know, as, as we're stepping into the, the next several years, you know, you mentioned that um, all of this, this change presents opportunities for differentiation and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, to close everything out on the most opt- optimistic note that we can, um, what are some of the, I guess, the main things that you want folks to keep in mind as we go through this and, and give them a little bit of advice to recognize some of these opportunities? Uh, well, I think that industrial hemp has a lot of opportunities right now and the barriers uh, yeah. to entry is lower. So um, look at industrial hemp. We didn't talk much about that this time, but but that's yeah. Um, uh, I think that the licensed legal cannabis market is going to continue to be hard. The frameworks are going to continue to be wrong, but I think that, yeah. but I think they'll improve and I think they'll get better. And um, I think that, you know, as that happens, um, more and more people will be able to participate. And as that happens, <laughs> hopefully, you know, we'll start to see better products and experiences and service for consumers in the marketplace than perhaps we're seeing now. Um, so yeah. I think, I think that's hopeful, you know, sometimes the best hope is it can't get much worse. And, 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 and I think that a lot of very smart people that care and have good values and ethics are working on this. And, I just try to extend my trust to all that talent and all that. And the plant itself, you know, the more we just get the plant into the hands of more people by any means necessary, the the plant will do a lot of the work for us. And, and, and so there'll be backlashes. There'll be, like you said, it's like giving birth, right? Always. So um, there will be some pretty, I see a pretty big backlash building on cannabis here soon. Um, but um but you know, it'll. Do you mind speaking to that just a little bit? I, I think that's really interesting. Um, um, what do you what do you kind of see on the horizon? Because I've been feeling this way just about hemp in terms of uh, some of the THC analogs and things. There's kind of a building of um, pushback around that. But I'm I'm interested to know why you said that. Well, we we lost a couple elections this cycle, that, and 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 yeah, yeah. That was a little bit of a canary in a coal mine. And, yeah, um, yeah. and you know, consumers are confused and getting kind of frustrated and pissed off at the industry. Um, elected officials don't know how to do it. And every time they try to touch cannabis, it's like a third rail and they get shocked. Um, and yeah, so, yeah. Um, and the press, and the press, you know, likes... A, a good old doomsday. Um, they do. They um, do. And so I could, you know, I could see, you know, the high THC products in the marketplace because the frameworks really are driving that. It's not real. It's not the marketplace. Right. It's the frameworks. Um, 
Yep. Um, if, if weed's got to be this expensive, people are going to make it as strong as possible, you know? Um, yep. um, so it's crazy, but it, so I see, and then that can have, you know, people get too high, people get too, and there's harm mm -hmm. caused. And then there's a backlash against that. And maybe it comes from parents or maybe it comes yeah. from schools or maybe it comes from, and then these things can build momentum. Um, and next yeah. thing you know, laws are getting passed. People are getting locked up again. And, you know, prohibition 2.0. Yeah, that's my concern. You know, prohibition 2.0 starts happening. And um, it's, yeah. yeah, it's my concern too. I mean, uh, I've been doing this a long time. I've seen these things come and go. And if we're not mindful, and, and yes. we have to do a good job. We have to do a good job. And if people, you know, don't do a good job, whether it's the frameworks, people making the frameworks or people taking advantage of them, maybe, um, um, yeah. you know, we all have to be responsible and do a good job. The, the, the more that happens, the quicker we'll get reform and the less backlashes we'll have. Um, uh, and so that's, I think, the way to avoid it um uh, and yeah you know um um because you know you see some of the packaging um and it, it all looks like and i, I understand yeah. you know i understand that it's a trend right now to have a lot of animated marketing for all kinds of different products not just weed products just any product yeah. you know it all looks like animated characters and candy bars um um mm -hmm. and but in cannabis, if we package everything like that and brand everything like that, it, it could cause a backlash, right? People could say you're appealing, yeah. you're, you're, you're trying to sell to kids. Absolutely. And um, it could cause a backlash. Whereas if you had, you know, a different kind of package that was very, quote unquote, adult, um, it wouldn't. You, the, you, the, the adversaries of cannabis would be robbed. Yeah, you take away that argument. You take away the argument. You see... And we have to be yeah. smart. That's why we have to be smart and strategic and good at our jobs. You know, I really think that's yeah. that's the key to reducing the stigma and avoiding backlashes. Yeah, no, I, I think that's the, uh, the reason I asked you that. I just thought that was really important to highlight as we close out. Because everyone that's participating in the industry, you know, we're not out of the woods by any means. Things can still change a lot for the negative. And, oh, yeah. you know, like you said about Mississippi, you know, the governor, the conservative governor's watching, uh, you know, there are lots of people watching the industry waiting to see what goes wrong and how to latch on to that to try to push things backwards. And um, I do worry sometimes that some people get so excited about having the chance to work in the industry that they sometimes get too excited and push things a little further than I think we're kind of ready to go because um it yeah it just gives fuel for these arguments that um you know we're really trying to to get past um so really important notes really important perspective um it's always great having the chance to talk to you um if you want to get together again and talk about hemp uh, there's plenty to talk about on that that yeah we haven't even had a chance to get into um but as we close out i want to give you the floor make sure to let people know um how to find you, how to get a hold of you. And thanks so much for taking the time again. I've really enjoyed it. Well, thank you for having me again. Yes, people can reach me at my website, andrewdangelo.com, or email me at info at andrewdangelo.com. If you're interested in the Last Prisoner Project, that's lastprisonerproject.org. 
Um, and I'm all over social media, Andrew under slash D'Angelo or Andrew D'Angelo. I'm one of the easiest guys in the world to get a hold of. So don't be shy. Reach on out. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you so much for the work that you've done and you continue to do. Um, it's important work to bring that perspective and try to, you know, help all of these people that are trying to do things the right way, that want to do things the right way and want to succeed and navigate, you know, these treacherous waters that uh, we have to navigate. So um, thanks for helping steer the ship. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Stay curious, take it easy, and I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye, everybody. If you're curious about cannabis like me, then get connected to the Curious About Cannabis ecosystem, and let's learn together. Visit cacpodcast.com slash connect to join our learning community on our Discord server, and you can participate in regular giveaways, dive into the latest cannabis research, connect with certified Curious About Cannabis educators, hang out in our break room with other curious minds, and more. Best of all, it's totally free. Just visit cacpodcast.com slash connect to learn more or click connect on the Curious About Cannabis app, which is available on Android and coming soon to iOS.